Shalom, everyone. It's time for Ancient Jewish Wisdom for a Modern World that will change your thinking and change your life. Welcome to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Balecci. Shalom, everyone. This is Rabbi Brian Balecci, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this upcoming Southwest Regional Yeshua Conference, MJAA, my breakout session talking about how to disciple this generation. Come on, we've got Gen Xers like myself, Gen Y, the Millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha to talk about. We've got to fulfill the Great Commission of Yeshua and make disciples of all nations. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. This is a breakout session on how to disciple this generation. And we're trying to reclaim hope in a hopeless world. So the first thing I want you to fill in today on your outline, you'll notice a spot to fill in. It says, number one, followers must become fully what? Fully trained disciples. Please fill it in. Fully trained. In 2 Timothy 3, 14, it says, you, however, continue in what you have what? Learned. And what you have become convinced of. He says, if you're convinced of it, he says, you also need to know from whom you have learned. So the second point today, as I move along, so I can have room for questions, is disciples are fully equipped to fulfill Messiah's mission. Fully equipped. So please fill that in. We're fully trained from a follower to a disciple, but now we need to be fully equipped if we are going to fulfill Messiah's mission. So the verse I want to just kind of touch on is, Beginning of Matthew chapter 5, you notice that the disciples are coming to Yeshua. I love this. I never chase a disciple. I tell them, you'll chase me before I chase you. Because Yeshua said, follow me and I will make you. So if I look back and they're not following, then I move on to the next potential follower. Because I'm not going to waste time begging people to be disciples. They have to want it. This is another problem. We've made baby believers that don't know how to feed themselves. I want to teach you how to feed yourself. I want to teach you how to cook up that rabbi's ribeye. (laughs) But I'm not going to do it for you every week. So I have to have you come to me. As they came to Yeshua, it says, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them. Notice, once they came to him, he could teach them. He says, don't think that I came to abolish or destroy the Torah of the prophets. I didn't come to abolish. I came to fulfill. Look how he says in verse 19, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others the same shall be called least in the kingdom. But whoever keeps or does and teaches them, he'll be called great in the kingdom. Let me see the hands of those that want to be least in the kingdom. Oh, none of you? How many want to be great in the kingdom? Know your God and do exploits. You want to be great? Do the command first, then teach someone else how to do it. That's what a disciple is. He says, you got to make sure that your righteousness, remember, that right living Training in righteousness exceeds the Pharisees and the Torah scholars, or you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. When you go to a book that we call James, but really should be called Jacob, Yaakov, James, the brother of Yeshua, says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, because if not, you delude yourself. He says, it's like looking your face in a mirror. He says, you kind of forget what kind of man you are. But he says this in verse 25. He says, if you continue in it, Right. In the perfect Torah, what will happen? He says, not becoming a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He shall be blessed in what not he thinks, not in what he believes, in what he does. A disciple's a doer. We learn to do or observe all that he's commanded. How do we know he's talking about the Torah when he says doer of the word? Because Paul says the same thing, but he says, don't be a hearer of the Torah only. 
because you won't be righteous before God, but you need to be a doer of the Torah. He says, even Gentiles, when the Spirit comes in and writes the Torah in their hearts, they begin to do the things in the Torah. <coughs> Notice how Paul reached different generations and different cultures. So when you talk about the purpose for teaching the Torah, Psalm 78.1 is a great one. My people, listen, give ear to my what? Teaching. In Hebrew, it's Torah, instruction, translated law. He says, you're going to listen, incline your ear to the words of my mouth. He says, I'm going to speak in what? Parables. What did Yeshua teach as a rabbi? Parables. Why? It forced the listener and the learner to become a disciple. Because it took discernment to figure out what's he saying. And then it forces questions because now the young person that's your disciple is going to come to you and say, what did you mean by that? You know, we're not having enough dialogue with our young people. Even as parents, we're not having enough dialogue with our kids. I've been sitting down with my 15-year-old, soon 16-year-old daughter and just talking to her about things I know she should know already, but I can't assume she knows it. Because if my daughter's not my disciple, then who is? Right? As a parent, Right? And my wife is also my disciple. She'll come to me, honey, explain that whole thing about generational curses again, what it is and what it isn't. I said, I'd love to. Because during my teaching, you know, she might, you know, she likes to crack jokes when I'm telling her something I'm going to teach on. She's like, oh, so is that this and that? Because she's from Northeast, you know, she's from uh, New Jersey and uh, she's Puerto Rican and she's just got to crack a joke because if a Puerto Rican can't joke, you're not family. And so my wife jokes me all the time. I'm trying to get deep and, you know, theological and scholarly and she cracks a joke. and I'm like, really? Really? You know, but that's what wives are for, right? To be my magali, my sickle to chop me down if needed. Exodus tells us about the third and fourth generation. I'm going to show you something that's going to blow your mind. The third and fourth generation, he says, he's going to visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. We thought this meant punish. It doesn't mean that. It means he comes to visit, to knock on the door, to see if they will accept him. Because if you love him, he'll bless thousands of generations. If you hate him, he'll keep giving the next generation another chance up to the fourth generation. Watch this. Abraham is the pioneer of faith, Amen. So in one sense, he's generation one. But from the time that Abraham put faith in our God, technically the second generation becomes the first generation from Abraham. And then Jacob, the third generation, becomes the second generation from Abraham because Isaac's the native born, born in the land of Israel, died in the land of Israel. Jacob is running from Esau, having to return back. So we have like today, we have the pioneers in Israel, right? Pioneered the, the movement, 1948, Israel became a nation. Then we have the native born, the Sabra, born in the land, right? Then we have the, the returnees, people coming out of Europe in different places from Spain, coming back to Israel. And we have still people in exile. So watch this. The second, third, and fourth generation to Abraham is really first, second, third, and then exile leads to a need for deliverance. And that would be the fourth generation. So if you look at the timeline, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, when did deliverance come? It came during the time of Moses. God says, either now or never. We either reach a generation because I'm going to turn my back on this generation as reprobate if in the third and fourth generation they don't turn back to me. So guess what Moses had to do? He had to do what we have to do now. Try to convince this crazy generation that Yeshua is real. That our God is real. And he had to convince them the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your generations, is telling you he's going to deliver you. But if they chose to hate God and not believe in him, because well, where's God been? You know, people say, where was God during the Holocaust? I told a child of a Holocaust survivor, he was saving you and your family. Because 
Her mother survived, grandparents died, and she was alive to talk about it, but she's asking me as a rabbi, where was God during the Holocaust? And when I shared with her, are you the descendant of a Holocaust survivor? She goes, yeah, my grandmother died in the Holocaust. My mother survived as a child. I said, God was saving you. That's what God was doing. And she began to weep and cry. Because we have to realize how critical this generation is. So technically, that's exactly why when we think about all the generations, you might be part of the greatest generation, right? Affected by the Great Depression, enlisted in World War II. You were called disciplined, determined, and resilient. It's on the back of your outline. You might be part of the silent generation from 1925 to 1945, affected by the Great Depression and World War II. You were called traditional, patient, and responsible. Yet the silence had to be broken because that silent generation didn't know how to share with their kids what were going on. Think about Holocaust survivors. They can't talk about it. Think about that. Think about the baby boomers, like my mom and dad, the baby boomers, okay? So you got actually, no, actually my parents are silent generation. That's why I had the issues I had, right? <laughs> I was an only child, so I had to figure it out on my own. But the baby boomers, what I thought I was, was born after World War II. Watch this. Then they came up with birth control and abortion. And they were considered competitive, confident, and sociable. Hmm, were they? <laughs> then my generation, I was born in 1969, but 65 through 80 is the Generation X because of a book that was written, a magazine article, and a photo essay, especially people like Billy Idol. When MTV came out, music videos were popular. His band was called Generation X. So when you think about this, this generation was independent, skeptic, and flexible. That was me. I was skeptical of everything. I played the devil's advocate on everything. I want to know the origin of everything. I want to know if it's Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, or Latin, or English, whatever it is, I want to know the root. I want to know the meaning. And so I taught myself, it was really the Holy Spirit teaching me, because I learned Hebrew at 11, 12, and 13. And my Hebrew teacher later in life says, how'd you learn Hebrew without a Hebrew teacher and without understanding how the vowels work and all that, I said, it was just me and the Holy Spirit. I just figured it out. She goes, oh, so you read like an Israeli without the vowel system. I said, yeah, because I never learned it. Wow. And so she began to teach me later in life as an adult the vowel system. And I've been teaching and reading and, and cantering in Hebrew ever since because someone was willing to teach me. But the millennial generation, probably ages 25 to 40 right now, anybody born from 1981 to 1996, think about this. Internet invented in 1983, search engines, 1990, web pages, 1991. And these became known as risk takers, ambitious, and self-centered. Do you know they're the largest generation in the world right now is millennials? They're actually generation Y, but we renamed them millennials. And you think about this, they're probably the parents of today's children. Because from them came the Generation Z, affected by the Great Recession, Y2K, remember that? iPods, 2001, Google, 1998, Facebook, 2004, YouTube, 2005, Twitter, 2006, iPhones, 2007, Instagram, 2010, Snapchat, 2011, TikTok, 2016. And they call them the creatives, the open-minded, and they're the most sensitive. Trust me, my daughter, I can't raise my Sicilian voice at all because she will start crying. Daddy, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> and then the babies being born, they're part of the alpha generation. How many know we're up against a lot of odds? Yes. 
So what are we going to do? If you look at what God told Abram, he says, 400 years are going to go by, you'll be enslaved and oppressed. But he says, in the fourth generation, that's when you're going to return here. God honored his word because four generations, 400 years, do the math. That's 100 years of generation at that time. Because when God said it to Abraham, when did he have Isaac? At age 100. So for him, not Ishmael, but Isaac was the beginning of a new generation. And that generation, he was born in Israel and he died in Israel. He is a Sabra. But what do you do for the Jacobs that feel like they're lost out there and they can't return home? They're wanting to return home. Those that are spiritually in exile, we need a new Moses. We have him. It's called Messiah. Messiah is the new Moses. Amen. He came to deliver all of us. And so when you think about these things, there's a list of things I don't have time to give you all today. Just basically look at these list of things that millennials avoid. They avoid religion that has no relevance, no transparency, meaningless tradition, thoughtless evangelism, annoyed by exaggerations in the pulpit. Come on. They aspire to be heard. They want to serve, not serve in silence. They want an action plan, not just religious jargon and pointless programs. And also, they aggressively react to opportunities to make a difference. They look for a cause. And then they also reject religious rhetoric and are attracted to real life results. I mean, this is the problem. Most of the churches and most of Messianic synagogues, we're not even looking at this stuff. And we just started, even as a movement, really starting to use our young people in the Torah service because we realized the need. My last and final point, fill that in, is the word embody. Because if we're going to be the sent messengers that this generation needs, like a Moses, we need to embody Yeshua's message and model. We have to embody it. So uh, there's some couple of verses you can read after that. Does anybody have any questions? A couple minutes, we can take some questions today. I don't even know if it's a good question, but I really appreciate this. And so how do you, um, I don't even know the question. I just want to be first in case everyone else tried it. <laughs> uh, do we need to create a focus group and get you all on a Zoom or a, a meeting? Let's all talk about this for the next six I must, months. I must be a millennial or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when were you born? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, how do you, so how do you, do, like, how do I ask it? How do you, knowing that, how do you get involved with them and, and make a dent or a, a you know, like, the yeah. biggest bang for the buck. I don't even know if it's a good So the question is, how, basically, how do I personally reach this generation when there are these gaps that we have? Yeah. Well, one, when I became a father, that was the great entrance into that. I was also a youth pastor for many years in the Christian church before I became a singles pastor, and then I got married, so I was no longer single. So I became an executive pastor, and then I became a rabbi. And so I've had many experiences throughout the church world, different denominations, a lot of spirit-filled denominations. But when it comes to the messianic movement or even Christian denominationalism, I know that it's all the same problem. Because if you think about Yeshua, Yeshua had the same problems. He was able to be what I call multi-generational in his connection. Yeshua had a connection with his teachers at 12. Yeshua had a connection to the leaders. Look at Nicodemus and the conversation he had in John chapter 3. Yeshua had a, a constant conversation with his disciples that were all ages. Yeshua had female disciples that were rejected by society to even be his disciples. He said, no, 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 these are my disciples. Some at his feet and some following his lead, some Marys, some Marthas. He also had the wealthy, he had the poor, and then he had the Gentiles. He had the Syrophoenician woman. He had people of all generations and ethnicities. Here's the thing that I think that is the number one thing that I've learned, especially in the last six months. 
when a millennial, a Gen Y or a Gen Z comes into your congregation, they need a connection from everybody. They need spiritual grandparents, parents, big brothers, big sisters. They'll never leave because it's boring. They'll never leave. Well, they don't have anything for me. When everyone in the room sees them walk through, and I got to get to know this young person. There has to be a multi-generational connection. That's what we're missing. Even in the movement, I'm telling you, as a young rabbi in this movement, since 2007, I've been a part of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America. And prior to that, I was involved with UMJC. I've yet to really have an older rabbi 100% asking me, tell me your passion, tell your mission. Now, I've had conversations with them at dinner and they knew enough to say, he seems like he's got it all together. I don't have it all together. I need help. So I keep coming and coming and coming and gleaning as much as I can, even though I'm not having this one-on-one with them. I'm listening to every breakout session and I'm being like Yeshua. I'm asking the teachers in multiple settings, what does it take to do this? What does it take to do that? How do I reach? How do I? They don't even have the answers sometimes. We have generations that don't know how to reach generations because we all had our either silent generation or the greatest generation raise us. And then the baby boomers raise us. And so we're missing that piece of being multi-generational in connection. Does that help? Right. Yeah. Uh, question right here, sir. Yes. Um, uh, I, I lead an evangelistic ministry on the free market. I'm, I'm part of a startup messianic congregation. But um, Beautiful. we work with uh, multiple churches together, at least try, because not for all we meet at the flea market, our congregation would be a good fit. My problem is um, being from the outside, how to uh, uh, get people through the steps. So we have people that are initially perhaps not interested. We want to stay in contact with them. Can I address that for time's sake? The number one thing is we got to get away from programs. It's not about the program and the steps and the formulas. It's about the relationships. Yeshua had a relationship with Judas just like he had with Peter. The difference was Peter drew closer than Judas. So Judas, Satan wants to, you know, do what you're going to do. Do it quickly. But Peter, guess what? Satan wants to sift you. But I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. So really it's about the closeness. The dust of the rabbi means the disciple that's closest to the rabbi gets the dust from the rabbi. The Peter, James, and John's inner circle, they stay close. We need to reach out to them and say, follow me. Let's meet for coffee. Let's meet for lunch. Forget about signing them up for a program because millennials don't want to hear it. They don't want programs. They want real. We thought they wanted relevance. The whole thing of the relevant church or relevant message. They don't need a pastor with skinny jeans on. They don't need smoke and lights and all that stuff. They'll tell you, I don't want that. They want something real. Why? Because they're the generation from broken families. People go to churches and congregations all the time. They'll leave those churches as fast as they come, but they'll never leave their family. And if you can make a connection with the young people, even as a grandparent figure, a spiritual grandparent, a spiritual great-grandparent, you could be completely different from their generation. You know, my greatest conversations after a good workout is sit in the dry sauna and talk to an older person about their relationship, about their life, about their business, about the Great Depression, about different things, because I want to glean. The kids want to have a conversation, but they're not going to start it. Why? The hearts of the fathers have to turn back to the children. Then the children will return back to the fathers. Next question. Uh, so I am, I've been told I'm an elder millennial. Oh, I love it. On the older side. How old are you? Uh, 
37. 37, you are on the older side. <laughs> so I thought I should just verify and say, yeah, you're right, that's right. With, so I was thinking about myself honestly. Yeah. And I'm in a religious setting. It is whether or not the rabbi or other people in the community notice me and interact with me. There you go. There. That is a blind spot. Not necessarily a blind spot. That is the way I think people, by age kind of feel things out. Yes. And I wanted to give yes. that That's really good. So so you're confirming basically for those that are watching online or listening on the on the on the CD that it is true that there is a disconnect that if you get recognized or acknowledged, but if you're a wallflower, the disc test has an S personality that's shy and sensitive. If the wallflower walks in the room and nobody sees that they're in the corner, they're gonna stay in the corner but they'll leave and never come back. So we gotta recognize the people in the corner. Stop talking to the people that you see every Shabbat. In every church service on a Sunday, and go to the people you've never met. Don't wait for the pastor or the rabbi to be the to the the shepherd. Shepherds the sheep, but the sheep beget sheep, and disciples make disciples. So we gotta really get beyond this thing of sign them up for a program, and even if we have a program, turn it into a relational thing. One last question. Anybody? I think there was a hand. Is there one last? Yes. Uh, it's more of a comment, a comment. Than a question, but it's also reaffirming some of the things that you said. So I had never seen this like millennialist and if you have something like this for gen z i would love to oh that's next i'm coming out with that next i had to address the millennials first and then you know so i i am going to address that soon i'll put it i'll put it on facebook and youtube and so you can follow me and then again you can follow me on these platforms because i want you to know that i'm also on youtube so um these are the audio platforms but you can also catch the the services live uh, from a playlist of live videos on YouTube, or you can just listen to the audio on one of these platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Audible, and others. But also, you can just look me up on any of those platforms and message me, and I will send you my notes. I will send you uh, stuff. Now, if you're wanting the stuff that's going to be published soon, for instance, if you're part of a church, I have already created a discipleship program for churches. It's being used by Destiny Church in the Desert first, it's going to publish, uh, be published next week um, for a start in March for a discipleship program. But I'm doing a messianic version also. So if you, ha- you have a little patience, wait on that. But if you want to get information now, we can get you started. And uh, I just want you to know that I just want to be like Yeshua. I want to disciple nations. I want to be one of his disciples. And I want to be like Paul. I got to be to the Jew and the Gentile. I can't pick and choose who gets saved, who gets discipled, right? So did you guys enjoy this today? Yeah. All right. Good, good, good. I want to honor the time. Let's close in prayer. Abba, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your message. We thank you for the ministry that you've given us. We thank you that we can reach the Jewish world and the Gentile world with the same message that's relevant to Yeshua's disciples as well as to the Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, Alpha generation. It doesn't matter. Your truth endures to all generations. We don't have to change our method. We don't need smoke and lights and fake facades. We just need a real message, not just a relevant message. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we're going out in power today. In Yeshua's name, amen. God bless you guys. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow us for more episodes as you rate and review the podcast. Thank you for listening to The Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom. Lehitrot. See you next time.